I think as an ASO manager, it should be a part of your like, maybe not day-to-day work, but I mean, come on, like sometimes you actually need to check out what exactly you're working on. What does that store look like? What does Google Play look like? A lot of people are very focused on iOS and maybe didn't even check what Google Play looks like in the past three months, you know? I would say that's a good idea to check out. Welcome to the Business of Fun, the podcast that pulls back the curtain on the industry's hottest games to find out what's going on behind the screens. We are going to invite mobile gaming experts to spill the tea on their game success, how they work, why they work, and what they've learned along the way. Here's your host, Jonathan Fishman. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Business of Fun. I'm your host, Jonathan Fishman, and today I'm super happy to be here with Anton Tatarinovich, who's also Senior ASO and Apple Search Ads Manager at Freeletics. How are you, Anton? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Sure. Do you want to introduce yourself a bit and, and walk us uh, through your path in uh, the weird world of mobile marketing? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I I now work as a senior ASO and Apple Search Ad Manager in Freeletics. So basically taking care of all things app stores there for the past, I think, like three to four months. Um, I kind of started in mobile growth I, I was checking my LinkedIn to remember in 2017 as a, actually as a sales manager in split metrics, which is the A-B testing tool and also the Apple search ads management tool. And there in the company, I kind of slowly graduated to the, to the marketing manager and then head of marketing. And we were just discussing before we started recording that. I mean, it's, it's funny that we, yeah, we were like competing directly, but, even even more interesting, we were like competing, like we were working in competing companies at the exact same positions, I think. So it's like as direct as it gets, right? Yeah. yeah. So for those of you who don't know, so before I joined Zynga and, and Charboost uh, last September, I've worked for like six years at a company called Stormhaven, which were, and, and Splitmetrics, both of these companies were uh, started their ways, at least through with uh, A-B testing for App Store product pages. And me and Anton both uh, uh, led marketing basically for the same company. So uh, for the for a company in the same space. So it's uh, the first time that we're creating that bridge. <laughs> there you go. So yeah, so yeah, that was the metrics part. And then I I uh, moved to Germany and started working in the mobile growth agency called Feature uh, in 2020, where I was working as an ASO consultant and and then as a strategist. And after that, yeah. Uh, joined joined Freeletics after about like three years there. So that's that's my journey pretty much. And now now we're here. Awesome. So I think there aren't a, many more people with uh, that much of, of, I mean, that time in in ASO and that much experience. Um, so it's pretty cool to pick your brain. Um, that I mean. Our podcast is mostly focused on the business of games, um, but I think, and I saw it many times in my days in, in, in Stormhaven, uh, that there's a ton that brands can learn from games, and, and games can learn from brands when it comes to mobile marketing on different pieces of it. Uh, so I think there's a lot that game um, ASO people can can learn from your perspective. Uh, I want to ask you first, like, how do you view ASO these days, given how it's it evolved and it evolved a lot over the past several years? And and is it more strategic in, in your view? As uh, how do you view it? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I think it matured a lot, um, meaning that 
it kind of stopped stopped being this kind of hack where you could go and you know play with keywords, play with A/B testing, and really kind of move the needle in terms of downloads. Now I think it matured to be a more kind of substantial part of the whole user acquisition function within companies. Um, and because it matured and because also the competition has increased by so much, you know, like every year, like how many new apps are there? And ASO is is not anymore that thing which, you know, just a few people know how to do. It's It's pretty well established now. So... Because of that, I think some some things are changing within ASO itself. Um, for example, like with keywords, with keyword optimization, I think there's like a lot of diminishing returns in action in the sense that like back in the day, it used to be that kind of high impact activity you could do. Uh, you could get into like top 10, top five uh, search rankings for some important keywords. Now it's kind of harder to do because, well, a lot of people know how to do ASO, at least on some level, and a lot of those positions are occupied by like established competitors and big apps or big games. So that's becoming trickier, and because of that, maybe conversion rate optimization is getting to the forefront, right? Like in terms of creative optimization, then also custom product pages alignment with paid user acquisition and things like that. Um, and I think in general, there's also a lot of a lot of value to be found in ASO alignment with like performance marketing teams and maybe CRM teams and like activation people um, because there is a lot of data that is housed inside those consoles uh, with which we work as, you know, as ASO managers, there is a lot of insight we could either collect and then share in terms of like learnings from A-B tests or just things we see on the app stores or vice versa, like learning from what can be what can be super effective on uh, on the like paid user acquisition side, and then like incorporating elements of that into our ASO strategies, primarily in creative. But there is a lot of data to be exchanged and a lot of insight to be exchanged. So, yeah, I think just to, to kind of wrap it up, because it matured, I think within ASO priorities are changing. It is becoming this like embedded function in in many large brands and companies either through just hiring it so people working with agencies um and yeah i think alignment with other teams alignment of aso with performance marketing and others is really where there is a lot of value to be found and i think a lot of companies are now experimenting with that yeah, I really agree with you and i think i mean one thing that, that really caught my ear when you said is like I mean, of course, everybody knows, or at least great teams uh, knew for years that um, ASO should work hand in hand with uh, UA. And I, I don't think it's like chance that a lot of uh, even positions such as yourself, like um, connecting between Apple search ads and, and ASO is natural because the store with more and more placements and, you know, ads in the Today tab and, and of course, uh, um, everything around how ASA evolved, um, you know, the, the work is, is it goes hand in hand. I mean, conversion rate optimization in the store, uh, if you don't do it in ASA, um, you know, you're missing out on, on a lot. It's more than just like targeting and, and bidding and all of that. So the person in the company that usually knew the most about creative optimization was, you know, the ASO person. 
um, for some teams or maybe larger teams that had a creative strategy function. Uh, maybe those folks knew, knew as well, but like ASO held most of those skills, especially in the store. But you also mentioned uh, the connection between ASO and um, activation folks and, and basically working even more with the product. And, and, and I think that's, that's a great piece that I wanted to expand on. Um, I'll just share one, one thing that I saw recently. It's a game called um, Monopoly Go. And that game, uh, when it launched, um, I believe they used, um, you know, like for those of you who don't know, one of the ways to test concepts and, and even the pre-launch phase is to run a UA test where you drive users to like a mock app store page. I'm not sure they did that, but they did test a ton I mean, hundreds and hundreds of different ad creatives uh, in that phase with, I believe, dozens and dozens of different value propositions. And I don't know, I'm not a part of that team, but it was pretty obvious they're testing out the market receptions for different mechanics within the game. Uh, so Monopoly Go ended up being a game that really resembles uh, Coin Master. So it's, it's um, a game where... There's a monopoly board at the center of it, but uh, there's a lot of different meta uh, type of layers, such as um, attacking other people, um, you know, playing the game or stealing their cash. Um, and, and, and of course, building, you know, instead of a village is actually building your, your, your city. Uh, so, so that's a result of a lot of creative testing that led for, uh, to, to a lot of those insights. Um, so, so I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of like, there's a lot of different functions that can enjoy from partnering up with uh, ASO. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and there is so much data that is housed in the consoles, you know, like stuff about uninstalls, you know, are we seeing some spikes and uninstalls from certain like devices that could be useful data as well. And that is something like ASO managers are working with. There is like, it, it can go all the way to like really kind of niche things where, for example, like back in feature, we were exploring this possibility. It's technically possible to adopt your, not adopt, adjust your in-app kind of onboarding experience to the Apple search as ad campaign where the user came from. So I, I think because of the setup, uh, like because of the technical setup of how Apple search has works and, and their like ad attribution works, you can actually attribute um, to the user, kind of like the company where he came from. And so, for example, if the company, not the company, but the campaign is centered around, let's say we're a fitness app, for somebody it's like workouts, like gym workouts, for somebody else it's home workouts, you can kind of adjust the in-app experience to that and then maybe also adjust the paywall, I don't know. Um, it's a I, I think it's very early days. Not, not a lot of people actually explored that. There seems to be some interesting technical details in in that like possibility. So if somebody's up to, you know, up to the challenge to try and explore that and then share their learnings, I think a lot of people would be interested. But yeah, I mean, there's there's so much overlap and so much to learn um, to learn from, especially with like paid user acquisition people. That's literally like. I mean, App Store is such an important part of the funnel. You know, whatever happens on the App Store impacts their KPIs as well. So, yeah, de definitely. De there were even entire games that were created from such a partnership and, and like testing from you know 
in between the UA and ASO, such as a few years back, all the, I mean, it's still happening, but uh, back then it was new. Um, all the fake ads that showed like the pull the pin type of games and, and like things that didn't really exist within the game. And uh, the market was so, you know, so excited by all of these and, and the data showed that people really want that kind of games that I think that it was supersonic by um, Iron Source that started publishing entire games that just include those mini games that pull the pin type of thing. And there was another game called Save the Girl that were like top of the store back then. So, so yeah. Um, let me uh, um, move forward to ask you, what's, what's your process for like optimizing creatives on the store? And uh, also another like follow-up question and after that is like, is it the same process you think that for optimizing ad creatives? Should it happen hand in hand? Like, um, how do you view that? Yeah. I think like if you if you try to look on the internet for any kind of framework for like conversion rate optimization, they're always pretty much the same in terms of the steps they contain. It, it doesn't really matter for games or, or for like apps. It's usually the research. Then based on the research, you come up with certain hypotheses which you think can increase your conversion rate. Um because of something you found in that research and then you basically prioritize your hypothesis from the most to least impactful then you test them whatever your channel is and then you iterate and that process is sort of like it's a cycle and it really never stops because you either always want to increase your conversion rate so you test it because of that or the world around is changing so you just need to keep up you know with a with a trend or with with a seasonal event, with your competitors, whatever that could be, or the company itself changes. You know, sometimes you do the rebrand, and then you need to figure out, okay, you know, within that new brand identity, what should we look like to also keep converting users at the same or better rate? So, this is, yeah, that, that process really kind of never stops, and and the foundational steps are usually the same. In terms of I guess in terms of um, if you go more specifically into like ASO, A-B testing and trying to find something which it, which I think could be relevant for games. I mean, I worked mostly with like apps and, and big brands. I, I only had a few gaming projects, but some things which I think are important would be, I already said, you know, start with research. Every Every framework like that, you want to collect as much insight as possible based on which you would then come up with a hypothesis. And within that research, I would say that um, I would start with your own kind of value propositions, your own user research, your own features, and not necessarily looking at competitors. Um, I would sort of try to deprioritize competitive research a little bit. Back in feature, we were like interviewing a lot of ASO people and Usually when you ask like, okay, what's your process for conversion rate optimization? They're like, well, first I look at the competitive landscape and what competitors are doing to figure out, you know, what, what we could test. And I don't think that is entirely correctly because first of all, if a competitor is doing something, it doesn't mean that it will work for you. It doesn't even mean that it works for them. You know, like you don't really know their numbers. Uh, you might not be converting that well. Uh, your competitor might have like a stronger brand, a different kind of IP inside the game, whatever that could be. So that competitive research is important, but I would start with your own 
like you know your game better than anybody else you know what's great about that game what is the most engaging you know feature or ip or like why people are likely to download that so i would really really start with that and try to put the competitive research still important but like priority number two uh, after that um alignment with paid user acquisition like we already touched on that right but i think for the majority of games as far as i know like paid user acquisition is such a big source of traffic and so all of those users end up on the app store or in google play and every like half percent percent two percent of conversion rate of like extra conversion rate you can find on the app store stage of the funnel it would translate into i guess more efficient like budget spending of the funnel so performance marketing teams should also be happy about whatever works on the on the app store side so that alignment would be i would say critical and depending on the proportion of traffic meaning like how much organic versus paid is coming uh I would even like increase that in, in priority if the majority of your downloads are coming from paid user acquisition. Um, what else? What else? I would say videos are probably more important for games than for apps because I think the reason for that is for the majority of games, the like the most unique and interesting part of them is you know like the gameplay, what what happens inside the game, how how characters are moving, like. And that gameplay is best shown through the video, not through the screenshots. Like screenshots are static. You cannot really show dynamic interactions or whatever. Uh, for apps, it's not the case. Like if you have a productivity app, if you have like Slack, you don't really need a video. Um, you can see everything from the screenshots, right? Versus for games, it would be actually a great idea to show that gameplay right away. Um, and I think games, like if there is any app on the App Store where you know, like you can technically use like not one, but like three videos. I've never seen three videos work for anybody, but I would bet that like if there is an app for whom three videos actually work, it would be a game. Would not, it would probably not be an app. Um, so yeah, videos, I would prioritize them if I were a game developer. Um, and I, I think final one, it's a little abstract, but I would say like what, if you think about conversion rate optimization, right? Like for apps, for games, doesn't really matter. Like you think about that new set of screenshots you want to do and you are performing that research. I would actually just, I would go to the app store and Google play and I would just spend like an hour just on the app store, you know, just searching, looking at competitors, looking at your own games, just looking at how app store and Google play works because whatever you do should be native to that channel. And I will try to just do that and kind of, you know, um, I guess learn the context and, and just try to meditate on like, just listen to yourself, like what makes you click on a certain game and, and why you don't necessarily like tap on a different game. Usually there is, we'll probably talk about that later, but usually there is a something similar about the appealing versus not appealing, you know, product pages. Usually they have like kind of short, snappy copy. It's usually right away easy to understand what the app or game is about. It's usually like the, the main um, value proposition is very clearly highlighted right away. It can be like a brand. It can be some incredible feature you have. Maybe some like really well-known IP inside the game. It's just obvious right away. It's really scannable. 
Um, again, like if it's a game and the gameplay is incredible, you probably want a video just to show that, you know, like right away. Um, so I would just try to include that part of, yeah, just scrolling through the app store in your research and trying to understand a little bit better what what actually works and what does not work on the app store. I think if more people did that, for example, like more people would have landscape screenshots on Google Play for apps specifically because portrait screenshots are so small that almost every app has them and you don't see the text and it's like, well, you know, maybe we should change something. So that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like you need to test. That's why, that's why it's a cycle, as we already talked about. That's why you have so many tools for A-B testing. Like, however many best practices you have, like, nobody knows for sure. Like, sometimes even the best ideas, which, like, everybody agrees should work, they don't work. So take the best practices, do the research, and then, yeah, just, you know, get good at A-B testing. Yeah, I think you touched on something very, very important in general in marketing, but it's like, try, and you you, you said meditate about it, and, and that kind of clicked, but... um Try to do, I mean, th- that kind of scrolling on the app store. I mean, at some point, if, if you rem- if you try to do it a few times, you'll start remembering it, remembering it to do it in, in real time and it would work. But the next time that you need an app, just be mindful of what's happening to you because you're doing a ton of things at that moment and your brain is doing a ton of things. First of all, you're getting into the app store, if you're getting into the app store and not clicking on an ad um, that got you there, you're your brain starts to recall things like why did you search for that keyword even like maybe you saw a brand ad and like start to follow this entire chain of what's happening in your, in your mind and you'll discover a ton of things and then when and it has to be an app or or that you need i mean that you're actually going with intent to find a product or if it's a game to find an entertainment and fun um but when it happens that's when you can understand and identify naturally what's happening in in somebody like like yourself's mind uh, when making that decision, and then you get into all of these insights. And I agree that if more people would do it, um, you would have better um, better product marketing, better um, app store marketing. Exactly. Yeah, you got to learn the channel, and it's also I, I think it's relevant for other channels as well. It's like why they uh say for tiktok like when you do ads for tiktok like don't make ads make tiktoks because like it should be natural with the channel it's similar with the app store like but but to make it natural to the channel you need to understand the channel first and and so yeah definitely spending some time on the app store i mean i i think as an aso manager it should be a part of your like maybe not day-to-day work but i mean come on like sometimes you actually need to check out what exactly you're working on, you know, like what does that store look like? What does Google Play look like? A lot of people are very focused on iOS and maybe didn't even check what Google Play looks like in the past three months, you know? Yeah, yeah. I would say that's a good idea to check out. Definitely. And then, you know, if people would do that, they would suddenly understand that uh, what happens to them when they see um, portrait uh, screenshots on Google Play for the most part when they're super small is that they just tune out. They didn't even notice that they skipped, but they skipped because they, their brain wasn't willing even to give it like half a second of trying to make an effort because why they would care? It's like just one app out of a billion. Um, and if somebody did uh, spend some time on that, it's only because they remembered the brand and they somehow identified it from the title or from the icon. Um, and they had some um, positive affinity to it. 
Um, all right, I, I want to ask you a bit about, um, let me think. All right, so there's a ton of new features on the App Store that started to come out, I think, with uh, about a year and a half ago, more than a year and mm-hmm. a half, almost two years now it's going to be. Um, custom product pages, um, Google just had their developer conference and announced a ton of features as well. Um, and there's A-B testing on, on the App Store for uh, that if set up correctly, it could be just for organic traffic coming in through browse and search channels. Um, what are your thoughts about this and and mostly around, I mean, my interest is like in personalization, like the holy grail of like, even, you know, I, I also think back on like 2017 when I started uh, in this, in this industry. Um, and, and the holy grail was always like, there's so many learnings we, we have from ASO testing and A-B testing, like this audience likes that better and this audience would convert way uh, better on, on this type of messaging, uh, but we couldn't do anything about it because there was one app store. And it seems like the development from both stores, at least, I mean, the app store and Google Play, of course, um, they, they go into a direction of like having a storefront for very specific segments. I think Google Play is, is more advanced in it, but with custom product pages, uh, Apple is also giving you that, um, that functionality. And this entire trend sits on top of a, another trend that is really strong, which is um, the deprecation of IDFA that happened uh, a while back that pushed user acquisition and performance marketing towards more contextual campaigns and to think more about the audience that they're tra- targeting and, you know, if it's advertising for games. So in which genres am I advertising is and, and, and what's, what creative is going to convert that type of audience? And the App Store is telling us the same thing. So what's your take on all of these features? Do you think that like the future is in creating, you know, many different funnels for many different audiences to the, you know, an extreme of that would be like a, hundreds of, of different store uh, pages? Yeah. Um... I'm not sure about hundreds, but definitely. Now that's like custom product pages are probably the most important, like on average, the most important new feature they they released in the in the past few years. I'm very excited about that personally. Like what what when they just released custom product pages, we pretty much started testing and like trying to figure out how to use them right away. Um, they are very important in terms of that personalization which you which you were just talking about you know like if something resonates with a user on the i don't know on instagram stories where he sees an ad there is a certain expectation which is already established and it used to be that users would be then coming to the product page on the app store which is sort of like the golden middle which is the fitting for like paid user acquisition users but also for organic users also for people coming from featurings social media, you name it. And yeah, with that personalization, it definitely opens a lot of a lot of possibilities. I mean, on Google I.O., I think Google actually like invests in that even more now. They announced those like groups where you can group custom store listings by theme. So that's exciting. Mm-hmm. I would say one thing about custom product pages is like it's it's an optimization tool in a sense that if you don't really have a lot of traffic coming in in the first place custom product pages will probably not be very uh effective so 
I would only start using custom product pages when you have like a fair amount of, you know, budget and traffic behind a certain uh, channel, which drives enough users to your app store or Google Play product page, where like enabling a custom product page would then um, would then make sort of sense and you would see the actual impact. Yeah. And I think yeah. on the Google Play side, I mean, it's it's I mean, the way that they tackle it is a bit different. I mean, they do have custom store listings, but um, they also have like different page types. I think now they, what did they um, announce? It was for inactive users that they're going to have a page for, that was the thing? Yeah. 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 It's for inactive users. And you can also do for like new and returning. You can split that. I mean, you can go all the way to just having like a custom store listings for returning users, which says just like, welcome back, you know, and try to test that. Maybe it works. Yeah, I think, I mean, again, if you're running ASO for a game or, or for, app, for an app, I think that uh, this is another huge opportunity to basically get insights from other teams as well, like the, like the, the in-app behavior as well. That could also be, you know, be baked into your prioritization of, of um, personalization, maybe there's an effect and, you know, I'm, I'm, I saw it in many different experiments. So I'm sure that this exists, but between the kind of expectations, the, the user, um, you know, that you set for the user before they install with, with that and the type of in-app behavior they'll have, which would affect their LTV basically, because um, there could be that you're highlighting a certain part in the game and then that user would be really excited about that. That was one of the main reasons why they uh, installed, even if it's a certain IP, by the way, a character. And then they would start looking for that in the game because uh, that's one of the reasons that got them to install. Um, Again, that mini those mini games are great examples because um, I think Playrix is is doing it in a really good uh, good way. I'm addicted to Gardenscapes for you know too many uh, months, but it's uh, like if somebody installed it because of the the mini game, you're kind of playing the levels. They now actually do it quite often, but it used to be that you play the levels and you kind of wait for when the that mini game would would pop up, which happens once every. Um, every few you need to to play long sessions for. So just setting that expectations with the store creatives, I'm 100% sure that it affected the, the in-app behavior and then, um, of course, eventually revenues. So that's uh, yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. And there is like a lot of flexibility, you know, on the app store. Like you can, you can create custom product pages for many, for many contexts. It can be like for a seasonal campaign. It can be for a specific type of user it can be for a specific marketing campaign so there are like many opportunities on google io google t sort of like once again that it would be possibly it would be possible to natively connect um, custom store listings with google ad campaigns which is exciting i think it was like kind of teased for like over a year now but when that rolls out that would be a major i think a major release for a lot of uh, publishers who who invest in Google Ads. So yeah, definitely. Just one thing on custom product pages. I think like for me selfishly, I really really like them because this is for like for all of the ASO people. Like this is I think the first time where you can actually get that bridge from ASO to performance marketing, and like if you're an ASO manager and if you want to grow into kind of a more well-rounded paid user acquisition expert, you know, or just like marketer, 
before that, ASO was sort of isolated. And you needed to kind of like, you know, do a lot of work to convince people why it's important and what are you learning? And you need, you had to do a lot of things. Now with custom product pages, there is a, you can put like the, the money KPI on whatever you do on your app store page. And now, you know, all of a sudden people start listening. And then there was a native connection with Apple search ads. So through custom product pages, you can get the food in the door and, you know, maybe start doing ASA and then maybe other performance marketing channels. So if that is like, I personally really, really like that because it just opens a little more, I guess, career opportunities for ASO people. But but that is definitely a very, very important release. I think one more important release, which at first I I wasn't skeptical about, but I did not look at it as like a big priority is in-app events and promotional content on Google Play and in-app events on the App Store. Um, we're doing quite a lot of them right now in Freeletics. And just by the fact that both companies, you know, both platforms are really talking a lot about, you know, to publishers to do more of those in-app events and, and promotional content. On the App Store, you start seeing in-app events being picked up and turned into featurings um, without even a featuring. So the editorial team just like can take your uh, in-app event card. And if it's important or big enough, uh, you can actually get featured through that. In Google I.O., there was a slide, I think, where they were talking about like quality metrics for apps. And one of the signs of high quality apps was kind of constant, fresh promotional content released on Google Play. And so I think if you do more of that, it could potentially influence your chances of getting featured, of getting higher ranking and whatnot. So that that actually seems to be way more important than I thought at first. And it's also a really, really good feature an easy feature to use because it doesn't really require a lot of investment like it doesn't take a lot of time to set those up if you have a big marketing campaign you know you can just take and rework some of that copy some of those creatives and submit them in 15 minutes to the app store and get extra visibility um and potentially get featured so those seem to be pretty pretty important even more important as the time goes um, and yeah, you mentioned, you know, A-B testing on the, on the app store, that one, I'm like, yeah, not, not very happy about it. <laughs> nobody is, nobody is. Everybody was super excited about it when they announced that. And then when they released it and yeah, it's, it's pretty difficult to test on the app store. Um, it's a great idea. It just doesn't really work very well. Yeah. It actually, you know, um, for everybody that listens, uh, we have here, me and you that know you know, something about A-B testing and, and getting it right. And it's super difficult, people. I mean, it requires uh, way more data science that you would expect. I mean, for, you know, I didn't come from that background, so I didn't expect that, but it requires so much complexity and data science to take into, um, to run a proper A-B test um, and take into account the App Store environment and, and all of that. And that's why companies such as Stormhaven and Splitmetrics uh, emerged in the first place. Um, but, um, Apple just, um, you know, it doesn't seem they're planning to put in the, the investment needed to get it right. And I think that resulted in a lot of people trying it out and getting bad results, just results they can trust uh, because the test wasn't properly run. Um, and, and it just requires a lot of expertise that, 
you know, it's not that, of course, it's Apple. They can nail it in 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 a very short time if they decided to. But it's just, I, I think they have a lot a lot more uh, work to do to gain trust from developers and trusting the results, which is um, the main the main thing. Uh, even that fact that they kind of like pause tests once you uploaded a new version and, and they didn't decouple that feature. So every time the development team wanted to push an update, it would stop the A-B test and everything would be ruined. So super frustrating. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, there are, there are many questions to that. I mean, all the way to just not being able to run more than one test at a time. Or if you run one test in many markets, you can now split the results by, by country. Um, there is WWDC coming in June, so maybe something will be announced and the feature will be improved. But definitely, if you compare that with Google Play's uh, experiments, it's just plain worse. Like, it's harder to use and it's harder to get a good result. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, like, one last question because we're... Um, it's super fun talking to you. Uh, we, we are slightly running out of time. Um, about AI, because... Um, why wouldn't we talk about AI? Everybody's talking about it. Um, and there's, you know, there's more conversation about AI that are gimmick. Uh, but, um, but I think in ASO, there are two really, I mean, at least in the pace that it's developing, two really interesting use cases that, uh, first Google just announced in that developer conference, the IO conference, uh, that they're gonna roll out or experiment with a feature that writes, uh, writes for you the short description and the long description. Uh, and of course, mid-journey and all of the um, art generative AI that creates text to image, um, you know, it's not there yet, but the pace, you know, but even trying to remember how it was like uh, several quarters ago, it, now it's like, it's a, comp- it's a completely different ball game. So I can imagine how like in a year or two years, uh, the ability of these models to create screenshots that don't actually, you know, come from nowhere. Um, they come from your own gameplay or some something like that. Um, it would be a possibility. But um, but but going back to these day, like today, um, do you think that ASO people need to leverage AI? Uh, and and if so, for for what could even be the competitive research that you mentioned of like letting AI summarize like a billion reviews from your competitors and stuff like that, or your own reviews? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's AI is definitely like really, really important. I'm not very, I mean, I'm not a big fan of the creative work. It it does, you know, the way it kind of can write the the text or create an image. I've never seen a text which was like written by AI, and then you wanted to use that. Like all the time, you just want to rework that. So the creative part itself. I'm less bullish about. I like the use case for kind of rewriting and just creating a lot of, uh, for example, a lot of variations for like a short description, maybe to get inspired or maybe to actually, you know, try and test them. That I can see how it can work. Creating kind of full copy, which is compliant with a print guideline, which which is creative enough and compelling enough. Um, I would, I would, at this point, I would not be trusting that. With creatives as well, I think with like images, it's it's good to get some inspiration from it if you want, but not not to create actual screenshots. Where I'm really bullish on it is, I think the the reporting part. So I tried it out a few times, and it worked really well. If, for example, in your company, you're doing like I don't know monthly reports or weekly reports, if it, it, it can, based on the 
based on the data and the prompt, it can create like a pretty coherent textual, you know, monthly or weekly report, especially for agencies. I think it's big, you know, like I, I know um, kind of having worked in the agency before how much time goes into reporting, that time can be like cut in half, if not more by using AI, because a lot of that work is is kind of, I would say, like technical copywriting. You turn data into words. So that's where it can really excel. I'm pretty excited to try out uh, the, like in, in, in ChatGPT, they have the, the plugins, where you, plugins and code interpreter, where you can connect it to data and process data with it. I think Google announced something like that in, in Sheets coming up as well. That is pretty exciting. So I think reporting would be one. I, I tried it out for keyword optimization as well. I think if prompted correctly, it can it can deliver some pretty good results, you know. For for example, for Google Play, if you want to increase density of a certain keyword without kind of harming your the legibility and, and kind of grammatical correctness of the full description in many languages all at once. Like AI can do that pretty well because once again, it's technical. It does not, it's not very kind of, not a lot of people read those texts. It's it's more for the algorithm. And so far to me, it looks like AI is doing a pretty good job. I'm running some tests now. Um, and hopefully, yeah, if, you know, if it works out pretty well, I'll continue using AI for sure in some, in some shape or form. For everybody, I would definitely just advise to get familiar with it. Uh, there is a lot of like hype going on right now. Not all of that is, you know, not all of that is true, obviously, but it is here to stay and it's good to just familiarize yourself with the tool and see how it can be applied. For me, yeah, right now I see it that it can do a really great job in like reporting and keyword optimization. Yeah. I'm I'm with you. Yeah. I th I think that it's basically I mean the the thing I fear from and, and I don't fear AI. Uh, but uh, the thing I fear it will do to people is that it, you know, if being used too extensively, like I'm imagining like a few years down the road and, and you know, you just let it do the thinking for you, it would basically, um, it would ruin something very important to, to creative people, which is, you know, the ability to think, which is a muscle that you have to develop again and again and again. So, um, I really like any use case that AI has to amplify the creative process humans have and are, you know, running through anyways. Uh, so when you said like creating variations of stuff, that's amazing because it, it really accelerates and, um, you know, your creative process and, and it shortens the time it takes you to come up with ideas because you have that machine that, that allows you to look at something from a billion different perspectives and points of view. Um, but I'm with you. I won't trust, uh, I, I won't, I won't, um, let me rephrase it. I won't outsource the creativity of these kind of things to, to an AI. Um, one, because again, it would, you know, ruin or slightly degrade your, your ability to be creative over time. And two, where, where's your competitive edge? I mean, if you're using a model that everybody else is using and everybody would use it, let, let's say everybody uses Google Play um, AI feature to write short descriptions then how can you stand out? Everybody's using the same type of model. Um, and and to create to create in a competitive edge, you have to use something or to, you know, exercise or, or basically go through an, a creative uh, process that other people don't go through. Um, and that would inhibit that that ability. So uh, yeah. I'm right there with you. 
To be honest, I'm not scared about that. To be honest, like I'm not scared about it doing very good, like creative work because so far, at least so far, it just doesn't. The most creative things are usually they're somehow like in the zeitgeist and they're unexpected and surprising. And that's kind of the core of creativity, right? And usually, like right now, what AI does, it does a really good job based on a really good prompt. So it, it at this point, it cannot really go and take inspiration from like, like I don't know, like sports, if you're in like productivity. It, it cannot take inspiration from some absolutely unexpected things something that actual designers and actual you know you know creative people and pretty much all people do um now there I, I think there's something to be said about like there are a lot of designs on the app store which are not necessarily creative where it's like a headline ui on a plain background ai can do that but it's i mean if that's the level of creativity we're talking about, I mean, it's already there. Like so many apps are doing that. The competitive edge is in actually working close with like really good designers, really good copywriters coming up with something that speaks the language of your audience, something that is appealing, surprising, panel native, as we discussed already, you know, like it works really well within the app store. It works really well in alignment with, with your like other marketing campaigns or whatnot. So yeah i'm i'm not i i think that you know good design good copy just working close with a creative team is a massive competitive advantage it's always been a competitive advantage and it'll continue being so like i'm not very worried about ai taking over all the creative nice all the creative work i will send all of our listeners to your uh, fantastic website that ai didn't build i hope Right? You, you designed no, it. <laughs> you can judge by the bad web design that I do. I love it, I man. I love it. it. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, I also want a website like that. It's, it's so simple and, and structured and, you know, in a world where everything is so polished, I just love this, uh, this type of uh, design. Well, that yes. it's just... Thank you. It took a lot of time to make it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, there's a website called, that Anton created called 41 Screenshots. I think it has more than 41 right now. Or it, it's, it's exactly 41? <laughs> it, it it has actually le- if you count the apps it actually has less than 41 but i'll be adding them like it'll, it'll be way more than 41 like very very soon but yeah the website is called 41 screenshots 41 numbers and that's screenshots.com check it out a lot of inspiration for aso people and designers out there that's where you, you can see stuff that uh, ai can't make cool so uh, if folks want to reach out to you should they uh, reach out on uh, linkedin that's the best place to find you exactly yeah you can either go to linkedin uh anton tatarinovic i'm there or you can go to 41 screenshots.com and there is a link at the top you can click through there's also my linkedin page so yeah i would be very happy to to connect with everybody you know talk about marketing aso exchange learnings awesome yeah cool that has been a pleasure i really enjoyed talking with you and that's it uh, for today i'll talk to you soon thank you so much see ya that's a wrap on this episode of the business of fun to learn more about Zynga and Chartboost and how we can help you on your mobile gaming journey, visit chartboost.com. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening.